Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 44 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. Welcome. Hello. To the Folly Coffee Hype episode. on for a while. <laughs> I am here with the one and only Folly Jeff, Jeff Mooney, our head roaster, our coffee buyer, our taster extraordinaire. Welcome for the first time to the Folly Coffee Podcast Studio. Howdy. It's great here. The last time we were recording, we were record- recording on a single microphone up in Duluth in what, February? January? Oh, oh my God. That was a long time ago. A huh? long time ago. Better Ooh. times. Better times? I don't know about that. There are different times. Different times, yeah. <laughs> Pre-COVID times, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And we were up in Duluth planning, and we were thinking it was just like, oh, we should do a weekend away. Let's kind of talk about what we're going to be doing as a business, where we're going to be going with this whole thing. And it very quickly turned into like, whoa. Okay, so at this time, let's recap. We were roasting in Silver Lake, Minnesota, an hour west of the cities. Uh, so we're driving an hour each way. Uh, and we're packaging at night. We're getting back at like midnight or 1 a.m. after like eight or nine hours of packaging, and we very quickly realize that's like, oh, shoot, if we grow even by like 15 or 20%, we're going to be doing an amount of coffee that is unsustainable with the way things are set up. And so this meeting up in Duluth went from like, oh, let's go have a fun weekend away and talk about stuff to we have to make a plan to shift closer to the cities to be able to scale quicker and in a way that's cost effective uh, like now. And so the second we got back, we put plans in place. And so since then, uh, that was in like February, I think it was definitely cold. (laughs) I remember that we went from there to since having moved to our, the new roasting facility in St. Louis park as of April uh, you have now completely taken over the roasting program. So you are now uh, in charge of the coffee program from top to bottom, from buying to roasting to tasting to everything. And that is also when we put the plans in place. And this is kind of the first official announcement of it for the Folly Coffee Tasting Room and Tasting into a Room. I like this one too. No, not that one. This one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, before we get into the hype, because I've got a whole list of hype here, and I think once we hit the hype of everything we've got planned from now until the end of the year, let's talk about what has gone on since we moved over and what that's been like for you. Because previous to this, uh, we were out with Ken. We had a very good kind of parting of ways. He's got his roasting that he's focusing on now. You've taken over our program. What has that been like going from being in charge of buying and tasting to now having full vertical control of the coffees that we're roasting? Hmm. Uh, Well, I've learned a lot more. And, you know, looking back on my role when Ken was roasting the coffee and I was giving him tasting notes and and things, I'm really amazed at what he was doing with the silly information that I was giving him. Because now that I'm roasting, I realize you can't just hear someone say this coffee like you want it to be a little more chocolatey 
and then just make it that and way. That's hundred percent what I was <laughs> yeah. doing. It was yeah. like, let's make this sweeter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, this one was good this week, but it was slightly different in this one minor way. And uh, can we just make it not that way? <laughs> and, Ken, and Ken would be like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. And he would do it as best he could. And so um, now actually like being in the driver's seat on that roaster is, um, you know, I really, I really feel like I have a much better understanding of what you can do with coffee. And then... Um, you know, obviously I'm still learning a lot. So still plumbing the depths of what you can really do and control. Um, but I have a much deeper appreciation for uh, the folks in charge of the coffee programs and just doing the roasting and how much discipline that takes. Um, so what, now that I get a lot more sleep and we're not driving out to Silver Lake, um, I'm still spending so many more hours uh, just, just trying to get coffee to taste good. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I guess we should uh, clarify where we are now. So there's a facility in St. Louis park that has housed a bunch of different brands for the year, uh, years still currently does. And so uh, we don't, we don't own the building. That's how we were able to stay cost effective. We're basically paying per pound to use the roaster, uh, to use the roaster there. So we're roasting on the, I should say you're roasting now on this pro bat there. What has astounded me is the speed at which you were roasting there before we moved. But when, when we moved, the transition was not only like seamless, but the coffee has like the, the co not only the coffees that the way you're roasting them, but the coffees were sourcing the entire process. I don't know if having complete control over everything has helped and being able to taste and roast and see how those things interact directly versus just trying to give feedback. But I've been insanely impressed with there was really no big hiccup in in the transition, which was something that was like extremely nerve wracking uh, in switching uh, not only uh, who is roasting the coffee, but where we're roasting, what machine we're roasting on. Uh, and so to be able to do that is like, I think so, I don't take it for granted, but sometimes yeah. it's just like, you're, I'm just like, oh, Jeff will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, that is, I mean, that's one benefit to taking over the, the rest of the coffee side of things is that, um, I know what's happening to that coffee from start to finish. So I have more control over, you know, if I change these variables, what did it do to them and what? So I have a better idea of like why our coffee tastes the way it does. And if it doesn't taste the way I want it to, then if I make a change to it, I know what that change did. So I think it can get there a little faster because when I was communicating with Ken, it was more just like, uh, trying to translate, you know, one person's tasting notes into a roast plan, you know, and that's kind of really difficult to do. And there's not a lot of uh, concrete um, instruction on what, what needs to happen. Yeah. Know? So, I mean, uh, I mean, it used to be like in the Starbucks days that like, I say Starbucks days, but like when they were the leader that there was this whole, and this is something that Joe Morocco told me that like, it used to be that everybody has like the roast curve and this is our roast curve we use for all of our beans. And this is the magic yeah. sauce. And so I, there's a lot of roasters thinking like, Oh, I just need to find my roast curve and then we're good to go. Uh, and, yeah. and once you have that dialed in and it's just like putting it in an oven and you're good to go. And it's just not at all the case, especially with third wave coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think now, now that I've roasted a little bit, I realize how much it's just like cooking. You know, you don't, you don't take, you don't cook a chicken and a steak the same way. You know, they take, they taste different. They have different properties. Like a chicken tastes good, 
you know, cooked a certain way to a certain temperature, a steak tastes good, cooked a certain way to a different temperature, you know, it's, you just have to like pay attention to each coffee and treat them a little bit differently. Um, yeah. I think the other thing that made this transition to this other facility a lot easier is that there's a lot of infrastructure already put in place there. Um, especially with Brett overseeing everything and Mm -hmm. me working there three days a week before we were going, uh, roasting at this facility. There's like, that's a lot of, um, help, you know, that we're getting on that side that I don't have to worry about so much anymore. You know, like all the, all the coffee inventory used to be at Silver Lake. I wasn't looking at it all the time. Ken was kind of keeping track of where things were and, um, just the like consolidation of roles in one way has been helpful for the roasting of coffee, but then also like putting some of those inventory things uh, to be taken care of by the facility that we're in. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's the conversation we have and it's one reason I think we work really well together and really have very few disagreements is because we have very tight lanes we stay in. Yeah. And so it's like every move we make with the business is how can we make those lanes even tighter? Every move we make, how can we make it that it's not, it might be more work, but is it more work within a specific lane? So for you, it's like, how can we make it so you're only thinking about coffee that you don't have to worry about the packaging or the drive or this and that it's how can we continue to make moves where you you can have more of a laser focus on coffee and I can have more of a laser focus on the, the distribution side, the sales side, the marketing side. And uh, it's really, really nice to not have to, from when I first started the business, it like looking back, the anxiety every day I had, I just like assumed it was normal, but the anxiety constant I had about like, do people like the coffee? But now you have to deal with that, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm choosing the coffees and Ken's roasting them and I'm tasting them and I go, oh, I think these are great and hopefully other people like them and I'm going out and selling it and just like not only worried about where is the next sale going to come from is it moving fast enough but also when it does sell it creates another level of anxiety of like oh, now yeah. it's sold off the shelf the person that bought it for the first time are they going to like it and so well, that's <laughs> that's way too much for one person <laughs> so it's like well so that's really what this is like how do we uh, focus down the stuff that you have to worry about when your head hits the pillow at night <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> okay, okay so you f- so you feel better uh i feel different different. (laughs) it's a different type uh and it's it's uh and i'm a firm believer that anxiety is not bad like i know there's a big movement that like there should be no anxiety but it's like if you're not anxious about anything then you're going to be pretty dormant in everything you're doing and so a certain level uh unexplained anxiety is bad if you're having that anxiety with no explanation to why it's happening, that's bad. And I'm not saying that's good to have, but the level of anxiety of like, hey, we're making moves, we're doing stuff. Like the the, the certain level of anxiety in sales, if you have a salesperson that's just like, yeah, the next sale will come some point, you're probably not going to grow as like a yeah. super small lean business trying to compete with, you know, bigger companies. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's more and, of a controlled anxiety. And then, ex- yeah, exactly. And so the kind of the anxiety of not having to worry about the product being great because the coffees we're roasting you're in charge of, and I have confidence in what you're doing is like a totally different feeling. So what we've been able to do even since Duluth with uh, COVID obviously forced our hand in a lot of these things that we're doing now, uh, and they have made some of them more stressful, but uh, the things I've been able to focus on uh, and be able to develop the core of Folly Coffee and not have to lose quality because of that is like 
paramount in this thing working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we're going to go back to more coffee stuff later because we got some awesome stuff we're doing in the next few months on that front. But the biggest move definitely we've ever made, definitely financially, but also in terms of risk, is what we are now doing. Ooh, I can... um. I can get efficient in content creation here. So this is definitely the biggest move and risk we've ever made as a company. So listen up. Uh, now I can use that clip as an Instagram teaser and continue to do that. We are launching what we are calling the Folly Coffee Tasting and Tour Room. Now I have explained this a hundred different ways, but I'd be curious after... Uh, we're about to launch our first little soft opening this weekend. Y- you explain what the tasting and tour is, because I want to hear after <laughs> every which way I've explained it, <laughs> and then I will also explain w- w- what I think about it. Okay, um, so I want to put out a disclaimer here that I'm a person who has a hard time visualizing things, or I just kind of choose not to visualize how certain things are going to go. Uh, because they're always different than you expect. So uh, I want to say I haven't put a lot of thought into this because I have a lot of trust in you and your vision. How about it. not the vision? Because I'm the opposite <laughs> where I envision everything being the biggest thing that's ever happened. Uh, yeah. Okay. So how about explaining <laughs> why we're doing it? Because that's really the core. Cool. There's a big reason in Duluth that we didn't just want to move closer to the cities because we're sick of driving. It's like we had a really good situation and it's a, it's a high risk move to move in any way. And so a big part of our discussion in Duluth is of like why would be a big part of moving closer to the city yeah okay so we are a coffee roaster and that's what we like to do we like to roast and give people great coffees uh we don't have a cafe and a lot we don't want a cafe because we don't want to have to focus on anything other than the coffee so we've kind of figured out a way to enter into like the local coffee scene have a physical establishment of a place to go for people to go to try our coffees in a way that we care about that's not focused around you know just people stopping in and buying our coffees on their own terms we want to show people uh, these are our coffees these are how we take care of them these are how we want them to be and so we've devised a way um, kind of after brewery, like after brewery tours, um, people come to our roastery, they take a tour, they see how the coffee is made um, from start to finish, from green to roasted product, and then they get to try it. They get to try it as a cold brew, as an espresso, as multiple different batch brews, um, and we get to ex- walk them through that whole process um, kind of on our own terms. And we get to do that for a bunch of, ideally, a a lot of people every day and um, this also gives us the flexibility of having our existing customers or potential customers um, come to a place a professional place that's you know not their restaurant or (laughs) our house or something um, to show them the coffee kind of on our terms and um, have a lot of flexibility that way so it's kind of a nice like professional face for us without bending to um, the norm of opening up a cafe, which opens you up to managing a lot of people, trying to make 
a whole space like really profitable and uh, a lot of like administrative headaches yeah that we don't want and, it, and it's like as a coffee roaster if our ultimate goal is to be the best maker of roasted coffee then seasonal drinks are awesome and i love going to cafes and trying different specialty drinks but at the end of the day if someone has a latte uh, and they might not know why it tastes good. It could be the milk you're sourcing. It could be the seasonal ingredients you're using. Maybe it's the espresso. Maybe it's not. And so we want to show off, and part of it is my constant pursuit of how do we do everything the opposite of everybody else. Hmm. Everything else is all about the latte and the fancy picture and the cool latte art on top. And you go, that's cool, but there is kind of this like thing that nobody talks about that it's like that the fancy latte art doesn't mean it's great coffee. And so if lattes are what is like all the hype right now, let's do the opposite. And so it's like, okay, no cream, no sugar, but not in a snobby way, which is hard. Mm. And so you go, how do you do a coffee concept with no cream, no sugar, no lattes without coming across as super snobby? And that's where the initial idea came from. That's like, well, we need to be able to bring in customers, have them taste our coffees, but in a way that's engaging and fun. And I don't think anybody does that better than craft breweries. Yeah. So that's where this conversation started in Duluth was like a concept where we are doing basically brewery tours, but for coffee. It's going to be tours of 12 people at a time. It's going to be super high energy. I'm leading the tours doing the with music in the background being absolutely ridiculous. You're at least initially going to be leading the tastings. We just hired an awesome team with a ton of experience. It's going to be super engaging. At the very least, you're going to leave there and be like, I have not experienced coffee like that. Love it or hate it. But you're going to taste cold brew. You're going to taste batch brewed coffee side by side. You're going to taste two different types of espresso side by side. So by the end of it all, you'll have tasted five different types of coffee brewed five or three different ways. And we're really trying to teach people what is the difference between just your average coffee and like really high end specialty coffee. Yeah. And I think this will be a cool like shift for people uh, to experience coffee in this way because this is... I mean, this is stuff that we do all the time in the in, and coffee industry people do all the time is try all of these different coffees all at once and these different brew methods. Uh, but a lot of people out there, you know, they don't they don't get coffee anywhere else than their local cafe where they get the same thing all the time or their Mr. Coffee at home. Yeah. And we'll, you and I will go to cafes when we're on the road and like we'll go buy two cups of coffee just so we can taste them side by side or try two different types. Yeah. But the average person isn't going to drop $10 just so they can uh, try two coffees side by side. And then you've got two full cups of coffee. And so I guess the details of ours is so what it's going to be is it's going to be uh, $12 up front, $1. $12 up front, $1 of every ticket going to Open Arms of Minnesota, and it's going to be a 15-minute tour on the roasting process from green coffee, which is unroasted coffee, all the way to the finished product, and then you're going to get to taste coffees, and we got this like insane mobile coffee set up that like, this is where we really heavily invested. Is like anything that's serving the coffee has to be top of the line, so we got this capsule mobile coffee unit, and then it's all-you-can-drink coffee at the end, and so... The hope here is that people can taste coffee side by side and at the very least start to learn what they like. Because that's really what started it for me is the first time 
tasting a different coffee and I'd go, I don't know what it is about that one, but I loved it. And then you taste another one, you go, I love that too. And you taste one, you're like, I don't like that so much. And you start to kind of hone in what it is you like. Yeah. I mean, you ask most people nowadays, like, what's, what's your favorite kind of beer? And they'll be able to name like one of, I don't know how many styles, but they'll, they'll have an opinion on it because of how craft beer has kind of presented really itself. Point. And now like people are just, they have this one concept in their mind. And this is super general the way I'm saying this. But no, it's like five years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, you ask someone, what's your favorite beer? They're going to, is it Bud Miller or Coors? Yeah. It's like a brand. Yeah. And it, people are kind of the same way now with coffee. It's like, I like Folgers or I like Starbucks and then, or I like to drink espresso, I guess would be like the three that I can yeah. think of off the top of my head. And, um, now there, we're going to kind of add some layers to that where people realize, okay, there's maybe a little bit more here. Um, you know, and uh, like Starbucks roastery reserve is starting to poke around in this a little bit with their coffee tours where you can get three different coffees brewed on a clover or whatever. Um, but there's really not a whole lot out there that kind of pushes this experience. Um, it's, it's actually one of the interview questions I asked to the uh, team that we just hired was, what's your favorite type of coffee? And they so badly wanted me to elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just go, eh, interpret it how you want. Yeah. And that's a, in the coffee world, that's kind of a stressful question because like, obviously you're interviewing for a folly coffee tasting room. So you're like, Folly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do I say a brand yeah. or a country? Or like and, and a- <laughs> I got answers all the way from like, I like black coffee, which is like, you know, that's a legit answer. Yeah. Uh, all the way to like, oh, I've really been digging high altitude Kenyans with a really nice bright acidity yeah. and everything in between. And it's interesting you do compare it to beer like I always do because that's a really good point is that that would be the goal that someone walks out of here with at least a little bit of like, oh, I like natural coffees or I like washed coffees, or I had this one from a country I've never had, and I want to try more of those. And that's the goal. And at the end of the day, we're just trying to make this thing super high energy, like basically translate what you think we're not like on social media and show you in person that at times this is legit what we're doing. (laughs) And just like theme music in the background that I still need to choose. And there's a lot of facets that are going to go into it. But September 19th is our opening weekend, so we're about a month-ish away. We've got the Friends and Family Soft opening coming up. We've got, uh, we're going to do a little, like, VIP event with a bunch of, like, local food, beverage people, and then it's go time. Uh, We're going to start training this weekend, and I'm like, how do you train for something that, like, is not a thing? (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually really stressed about it. Uh, We'll we'll figure it out this weekend. It's, you know. Yeah. All friends and family. Well, that's the nice thing about the hiring process is that was a big part of the questions I asked were uh, trying to find people with not only experience, but also personality types where it's like, you know, shit hits the fan that we're in good shape. Like someone will be able to figure it out. And I've always been like this with you. I think is that like I everything here is made up. Yeah. Like <laughs> apart from the coffee, which is very precise and is a, needs to be perfect as, or is a pursuit of perfection. I should say yep. a constant pursuit of perfection. There's a lot of made up stuff there too. <laughs> yeah. That it's like, this is all made up. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so don't be afraid to call me out on something. Cause like having ego about anything in small business is really unhealthy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's like, 
how did you decide to do that? You go, mm-hmm. Like, I did it and this happened. We did it and it worked or we did it and it didn't. And I just won't do that again. And then you just fail fast. And it's a bit of a cliche in business, but if you're going to do something wrong, like that's a good way to live your life. Yeah. Like together, (laughs) if you're going to do something wrong, make sure that someone around you is comfortable enough to tell you like, Hey, that this is wrong. And so I'm confident we have a team now. Uh, It reminds me of this. They did this and then I'm going way off track and then we'll get back to the hype. (laughs) <laughs> but this really interesting uh, study they did into why planes were crashing. And they're like, how is it that you can have three people in the cockpit, one main pilot, one co-pilot, and one person just taking the readings, and this plane can still crash running out of fuel? How did that happen? And what they found out is that there was always one very experienced pilot, and that the other two people consistently felt like they were inadequate to call out something because they go, well, they definitely know about this. So I'm not going to tell them the fuel's running low because that's just insulting. And so what they now have experienced pilots do is even if they've been flying constantly, they'll have them go in the cockpit and say, hey, it's been a little bit since I've been in the cockpit. Like if you see something off, just let me know. And it just, (sighs) okay. So now if I tell them, it's like they're a little rusty. I'm doing them a favor versus like, I don't want to come across like I'm being a jerk to someone who's been doing this way longer than me. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. So there were a lot of cases of that? Not a lot. Okay. No, just, just like a couple, but they're like, how could this be happening at all? Still? Yeah. That's a good, um, I mean, good to take down that, that barrier, you know? Yeah. And so I I do that consistently where it's like, Hey, well, and I don't have to do it and say like, Hey, I have a ton of experience. Don't be intimidated. It's like, we've been doing this for a couple of years and I had no experience before that. So yeah. and then you, then you leave a lot of room for people to add things to exactly. it. Exactly. And you get better faster. Yep. Cause it's like, Hey, I made all this up. So if something's stupid, I probably don't know it's stupid. Like, uh, uh, the coffee scoop, five pound uh, coffee, scoop. five pound coffee scoop for like legitimately like four or five months into folly. I was using a metal scoop to individually scoop coffee into bags and then I saw the guys over at Wesley Andrews using a coffee scoop that had a funnel on it and I was like what is that (laughs) and just yeah stuff like that (laughs) so the more people you have around that are comfortable calling you out the better so that is the tasting room so this weekend this episode will literally be launching on the day that we are doing the the little soft opening where I anticipate a lot of things will go wrong but that's why we're doing it is yeah basically tell friends and family like be critical but not publicly (laughs) (laughs) but like even yesterday you're like hey what uh like i saw your order come through for the coffees this week like what coffee are we using for the the tasting room i'm like oh yeah we should probably have coffee for the thing (laughs) yeah there's probably one or two more of those things that we haven't thought about yet (laughs) there's gonna be plenty of things that come up uh so the tasting room, definitely the biggest move, definitely the thing that's been occupying the most uh, space of mind and hiring and getting things set up and getting the coffee machine set up. The, the electric still isn't set up. It's allegedly going to be ready for Thursday morning installation. And then we have to dial in the machine at some point in between installation while meanwhile having to roast the coffee on Thursday, package it and deliver it Friday. So some uh, between then and training, which we'll probably have to talk about after this of when yeah. we're actually going to get these <laughs> machines set up to be able to serve coffee. <sighs> anyway, what's up? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun week. <laughs> okay, on to uh, another uh, thing that we take very seriously here. 
which is going to be back in your coffee world, hyper-focus here, is Good Food Awards. Ah, uh, yes. This, in 2019, when we won, was a huge uh, catalyst for being able to be taken seriously as a roaster, and so it's something we always take seriously year to year. Talk me through which coffees we're submitting this year, which farms we're working with, and how you came to the decision to work with those coffees to submit for Good Food Awards. For those who aren't familiar, Good Food Awards is a national food and beverage competition spanning multiple different categories, uh, but it's arguably, I would say definitely, the biggest national coffee competition in the country, uh, as well as many other food categories. Yes, taken very seriously. Uh, won by a lot of people that we really respect. Um, so this year we're going to be submitting um, a black honey processed coffee from El Salvador, and that comes from the Loma La Gloria farm. Um, Annie Ruth, the owner of that farm, reached out to us uh, two years ago now, and we bought her coffee and submitted it last year. Um, it was the same black honey red bourbon lot um, that we're submitting. Could you explain black honey a little bit? Um, Yeah. So she um, has several different processes that she uses on her coffees. Um, One is just a full natural. So uh, do I need to explain that? You talk about that? Yeah. Natural coffee dried in the sun, really big fruit flavor. Yep. Um, So the other ones that she has are different levels of honey. Um, So she's got a yellow honey, which is kind of like in the middle um, when they pulp the coffee and then dry it, they leave some of the mucilage on. So y- again, the sexiest word in coffee. Oh yeah. Mucil- Nothing makes me think mucilage. Nothing makes me think <laughs> superior flavor, like partial mucilage. Right. Um, so yellow honey is kind of in the middle. They leave like a medium amount of it on maybe black honey is kind of in between yellow honey and, um, natural uh and there's a red honey in there too they're all kind of just like different levels of fruit left on the the coffee seed while it's drying essentially um so it's a little bit fruitier than a honey or a washed would be um it's just kind of got more of those fruity sugars in there um so we're going to submit that again this year um it just came in on thursday of last week so i haven't gotten to roast it yet um, that's what I'm going to be doing today. We get two submissions, so uh, that's one we we really like to boost her coffee up because she's been awesome to work with, and we really love Shout her coffee. Shout out Annie Ruth and Loma La Gloria. Yeah, if you were in a position where you buy coffee or some or roast coffee for someone, look her up. She's super friendly. Uh, send her an email. Um, she's great to work with. So. At Annie Ruth, or at Loma La Gloria yeah, on, Loma La Gloria on Instagram for sure. Yeah. Yep, but she'll, I mean, she'll talk to you directly. You know, yeah. it's it's awesome to it's awesome to work with her. She's um, super excited about what she produces. She works really hard. She got two adorable dogs. Um, so we have a new coffee this year that we're working with, and this one came to me by suggestion uh, via Joe Morocco. I reached out to him to see if he had any coffees that he thought. Um, would be good for us to work with for the Good Food Awards. And he referred me um, to JNP Coffee, uh, which is a, an importer from Burundi. Um, and it is woman-owned, owned by Janine. I wish I had her last name in front 
me right now. Sorry, Janine. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, put it in the show notes. Um, but JNP specifically works with um, female farmers in Burundi and works uh, with them to... Um, they offer a lot of classes for them to um, take over their own farms and be able to run their own farms and be give them um, a financial background that can they can make a good living off of farming coffee because there's a lot of um, inequity between men and women farming coffee in Burundi. Um, so we have a lot from Turahamwe, uh, which is a really nice... And when you say a lot, not a lot, like a, a, a no, lot, no, a like section, a lot of coffee. A section like. of a... Uh, I was like, how much did we get? Of a harvest <laughs> of coffee. No. Um, and it is it is really phenomenal. It's It's got like some chocolatey and mango notes, and it's really sweet. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to roast that and work a little bit closer with JNP because this is... Um, you know, I've only became aware of them like last last month or so. And, and this this right here is a prime example of like being able to specialize in roles, even though I do miss in a lot of regards of researching coffees and looking through the list and seeing what's available. But the level to which you know our coffees, both from a flavor profile, but also being able to make sure that like the farms we're working with, the importers we're working with, that we're getting price transparency and that not only are we paying like well above fair trade prices for our coffee, but that the farms are doing everything right that we're looking for. And there's always room to grow in that regard, but just hearing you describe those coffees and knowing that we're working with those farms, it's awesome to know the full story and feel like every coffee is fully vetted out. That's just continuing to improve, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's looking for these coffees. It's been really amazing to, I, we're super fortunate here to be connected with a lot of people um, and a lot of people who are trying really hard to do some really impactful work in coffee i'm telling minnesota goes under the radar in the coffee scene man i'm telling you it doesn't get talked about on the national level uh and it is a less bit the, the the third wave market i think is a little less mature than like your west coast markets and even a couple like uh you know like austin down south or uh out east to a certain regard but like when you talk about major players within the coffee industry and just people that work here, we have these like in, we, we were able to build this insane network of people that can can connect us directly to farms or new importers or just new sources of information that is not very common when you look at other places around the country. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to try and start a whole coffee program without just all of the kind of underhand tosses that we've gotten. Well, and that's the, uh, that's the other part I will say, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is like just being very upfront that it's like, hey, just I'm going to let you know that this is all new to me, whether it's fully new to you or not, just saying upfront, like this is not my expertise. I'm leaning on you because you're the expert. That makes somebody want to like, it, somebody will want to help you more if they feel like you're not just pandering because you're like, you know more about this than me. Will you explain it to me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's usually true. It's definitely been our our situation. I think some, if you were to reach out to some people in the coffee industry, you maybe wouldn't get 
so much help. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's something that I worry about when I'm talking a lot, to, which is a lot of the time, uh, where I'm like, I'll, you probably hear me say it. It's like, am I explaining something you already know? Or like, <laughs> should, like, am I boring you? Or like, is this interesting? And they're like, oh, yeah. But whereas if you say it up front, like, explain to me everything you know about this because I want to know everything. People in Minnesota have been super, super cool about it. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And it's, I think it does go back to part of it's the, high-end specialty coffee market is less mature. And I think there's so much room for the entire group of specialty coffee, high-end coffee roasters to grow. Yeah. That like, I've said it from the start that there's room for all of us to grow. And if we can all work together to increase awareness of high-end coffee, I think. Yeah. Well, I think almost everyone in the specialty coffee industry comes from a point of just really appreciating flavor and food and, uh, you know, being coming from kind of like an artistic standpoint or mode, like they're, they're excited about making something really good and other people who have a passion for, you know, putting out really good things for people to enjoy. And so there's a lot of camaraderie there. You know, there's not, there's not the like cutthroat, um, business I've got really bad news if you're looking to be in a super lucrative high margin there's better places to go if that's your end goal and so I think I think that's part of the reason that the people in this industry are not in it because they're like I'm here to get rich it's like there's at least some level of passion or something about this industry that attracted them where the business part is rarely like the number one focus of why somebody would get into coffee, especially like high end, like third wave specialty coffee. Yeah. So we're, we're super excited to put those into um, the running for good food awards this year. And even before the good food awards announcement, those will be, we'll be putting the, uh, if I, if I'm saying this correctly, we're using the Loma La Gloria in the house bean and the Burundi will be featured in the winer. Yep. Starting this yeah, starting Thursday. Yeah. Um, so if you're hearing just this in time for the the tasting room for me to do the first uh, roast of those. Yeah. So, but by the time it's officially open, those things are going to be dialed in beyond belief. Run through real quick. What what's your process with working with a new bean? So you get the sample, you taste it, love the sample. What where do you go from there on developing a new roast profile? Um. Well, it's still kind of developing a little bit because. Almost every coffee I put in the roaster is a new roast for me at this point. Uh, you know, unless I've been roasting it for a few months. Um, the way I'm going about it now, or my approach with these coffees specifically, will be we've got a little the one kilo bullet Alio bullet roaster. Um, so I'll be doing some 800 gram roasts on those just to kind of see how they. Uh, how they react in the roaster, I guess. Got to see how they take on heat and what they do at crack. And so I'll be doing some of those just to kind of see how they taste in comparison to the sample roast that I did. Um, and then from there, I'll kind of get some general guidelines of, okay, I want these different phases to happen at maybe this point and this point. And uh, just do kind of a general roast um, and see how that one comes out. 
I'll taste it. Hopefully I can get enough insight from the sample roast, the bullet roast, and the first full production roast on the probat um, to kind of give me like a little bit of a triangulation of flavors to work with. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of go from there. Like if it's too, it's, it's hard to say yeah. honest, it honestly, per, per bean. especially for these two coffees, these like I've roasted one Burundi coffee before <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that this one is going to be way different. Um, just based on the sample roast. So um, I have a general roast profile that I like to start out with that I, it won't under roast it, it won't over roast mm -hmm. it. So I'll start there and then try and f identify certain flavors I wanna try and pick out of there um, and make some guesses at what power and airflow changes I need to do to kind of um, modulate that flavor a little bit. Yeah, there's that. I don't know how specific. <laughs> the second I, I asked that like question, I, it, <laughs> I see the stress level rising. The second I answer that, you're like, "Well, where do I start?" <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, like, I really don't have. Um, I think the way you answered that showed the process. There's no one clear path. I mean, it is. It is just a process. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not an experienced enough roaster, and honestly, I don't know very many roasters who would be like. I know what I'm going to do with this, yeah. <laughs> this coffee when well, I put like, it in yeah, the machine. Yeah, it's like cooking. Yeah, yeah, you know, you it takes a few times to get it to where you want to be. Like, once you're, once you're at, like, a really high level, you've done it a million times, like, you probably know what's going to be there, but I'm just not it would, at that level yet. It would be like baking if every three months the flour you had changed because... The beans yeah. you're working with, we rotate our beans every three months. So it'd be like baking bread and you have a recipe, but then three months later, it's like, oh, the flour is completely differently and you're using a different yeast and you're using a different oven. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And if you're a super good baker, you can maybe make it turn out really well if you know how that flour is going to react in the oven or that, how that yeast works or whatever. Um, but if you're not super experienced, you can get that bread to a really good point. It's just going to take more trial and error <laughs> all right two more things to hype the new website so so far tasting room definitely the biggest thing on the coffee front good food awards is something we always take really seriously and bring in some really bomb coffees for that the website is something that's been a work in progress so covid goes down i go into a hypermanic panic mode and learn how to build a website in a couple days and launch a new website that worked well and I was actually pretty happy with it. And we were able to have a good subscription service. But a few months into it, I go, you know what? It could be better because a lot of customers are reaching out going, hey, I see you have your monthly subscription. Do you, can, I want to buy coffee every week or every two weeks? Or can I get two bags of this? Or can I get a five pound of that? And I was like, well, we could say we just built a new website, figure it out, or we can go, we can get better. Let's get better. So we, we work to build a new website. There's been a lot of kinks we've been working out, but it's finally the point that now the subscription service is better than it's ever been. You can now do weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, because it's like if customers, this is what I've learned about digital because I don't come from a digital background. If a customer is reaching out to you about something, every customer is probably thinking it in some sense. Because like, how many times have you thought of ordering something and you just don't because it's not exactly what you're looking for? Because oh, there's man. so many options out there. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, if 
a cut usually somebody I know personally. So they're like, Hey, I actually want to help him. But if a customer is reaching out and saying, I would really like to order two weeks because one bag just isn't enough for a month and I am running out. That probably means a lot of customers are having the same issue. And so that was like, well, if we're in a constant pursuit of getting better, why wait? If we can find a, a solution that makes sense. And again, moving fast and making decisions quickly can lead to hiccups and there are definite hiccups with this new website. I think it's been down three times in the past two weeks, but we finally got to a point that I'm like super happy with the service of the website. And we also launched on Amazon a month ago, which is also a learning curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that decision for me was kind of tough because I've always kind of been like, oh, Amazon, it's not perfect for freshness. It's not like ordering directly from our website where we roast it and then ship it directly to you. A few different things went into my thought process of ordering on Amazon. First was we have the nitrogen flusher, which made me more comfortable. We, uh, the facility we roast in, uh, was awesome. They're, they're really great at trying to continue to push like coffee processes. And so we now have access to a machine that sucks the oxygen out, flushes it with nitrogen. We're still in the process of testing the overall effectiveness of it, but just having our bags be flushed with nitrogen made me more comfortable with a, a 90, a 120 day shelf life selling our coffee on Amazon. The other part was, uh, I was listening to a podcast about Amazon and I realized that like podcast is almost as much of a search engine as Google. (laughs) Amazon is the search engine for products. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. And then I go, Oh wait, anytime I'm looking for something new, Amazon is the first place I check. So how many people, when you go, well, somebody who's into really high-end coffee probably isn't searching on Amazon, but what about someone that's looking for their first ever high-end coffee? Wait a second. Isn't that what we're trying to do with Follies? Introduce as many people to high-end coffee as we possibly can. And I was like, oh, this is a priority. And that led to eight weeks of trying to get them to approve our products, trying to get someone who's a human, uh, in the midst of COVID when everybody is focusing on launching an Amazon and that took forever. And we're working with the Voyager group who's been awesome. Shout out Voyager group. I've got a phone call with them later today. Uh, Shane over there did an awesome job at (laughs) taking my manic phone calls at whatever time of night and day. And uh, we got the thing launched on Amazon. So we now just uh, shipped our first pack of uh, sampler packs out there and it seems to be going off to a good start. Um, Still have no idea what that is, but excited to be there. And that was the decision that went into that. We also have new merch. We haven't launched it yet. We're going to launch it on International Coffee Day. I don't know if you knew that, but... (laughs) News to me, but I knew knew there was merch. (laughs) We have a shout out Niles at Deneen Pottery. So Deneen Pottery makes these amazing ceramic mugs. If you're from Minnesota, you either own one or you, you know someone that owns one or you've seen a company that sells them. And... I've just been like the brands I'm obsessed with are brands where you're just like, why do I know that? Like, why do I know the name of this guy who makes like this company that makes mugs and having worked with them, I totally get it now. The, oh, like yeah. the mugs came out. Uh, first of all, they came out amazing. Like yeah, they look I, really good. So we'll be uh, international coffee days, like September 22nd. Uh, so we'll basically be launching that like right after we have our first weekend of the tasting room. So it'll be like this really fun, exciting week. Uh, and then like the mugs came out awesome. The customer, like he's texting me pictures along every step of the process of making these mugs. They've been really on top of it. Uh, along with the, uh, the, the, 
Carter mugs from Fellow. Uh, that back we had the competition with Luke uh, ma- making our design for this competition. We placed top 10. We didn't win, but we got a good deal on the mugs. And so we'll be uh, doing like a more traditional ceramic Folly branded, like with our classic logo mug every day, and then the Carter to go mug, which is like Luke's crazy intricate design that like is not along our traditional brand guidelines. Yep, and those those Carter mugs are super cool. I had one before we made the Folly one, and we've got like a ceramic liner inside, so it doesn't flavor your coffee or your coffee flavor doesn't stick in the mug. So if you like to drink a different coffee every day, it's not just gonna taste like old stale coffee and then like the lip of it comes to like a pretty fine point not sharp but like uh, so it's like drinking out of like a glass even though it's metal comfortable on the mouth yeah so we'll be launching those and then uh this is something that we started doing just kind of off the cuff last year that we had success with and this is not revolutionary by any chance but seasonal coffees that last year like really last second we had these like we had this uh was it a honduran coffee yeah, yeah, an anaerobic. Oh, yeah, we had this anaerobically fermented Honduran coffee. It was like big fruit bomb, and we're like, we need to do something with this coffee. And we're like, oh, we could do another run of our, you know, seasonal folly la la la. And so we uh, came up with this blend. It was awesome, and it was just like literally took a couple pictures of it, posted it, and that was the most of one coffee that we'd sold in a week at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh we're working really hard on other stuff that's selling less. Like we should put more focus into this. And so we've got, I'll explain like the marketing and what we're doing behind these two coffees. And then if you want to explain what we're going to go for on the coffee side. So the first one is going to be called, it's a Halloween coffee that's going to be launched in October called the darkest day. And uh, if you follow me personally on Instagram, you've seen it, but uh, I found this designer to come up with this really, really badass folly skull design where like the eyes are the X in the coffee mug, but hyper like realistic, but like cartoon. And it's going to have like the, the branding and we're doing another run of the Deneen mugs behind that. So we're doing a limited edition mug and coffee during the month of October. And by the name darkest day, you may already kind of guess it's a dark roast. <gasps> <laughs> I wish I had a button that one. Like, <gasps> what does this one do? Oh, hey, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that worked really well. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to do a darker roast um, for our Halloween release. Still kind of finalizing what those coffees are, but it's also probably going to be a blend. Um, Which, by the way, if you're not familiar with what we do, these are terms that you do not hear within the folly portfolio dark roast we do a wholesale dark roast but this was something that we developed for a while in terms of like we want that dark chocolate but not the bitterness and then blend is like okay people have been you know people ask for it uh and we're just like no we're we specialize in light roast yep and we stick we stick to single origin light roasts but you know, we still like dark roasts and blends and stuff. So it's that, fun. It's fun to play around with those. That's a few why times this a year. is the darkest day. Yeah. No, <laughs> they sold out. It's the darkest day of the, the a dark roast blend. This isn't the folly I know. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with blends. There's nothing wrong with dark roasts. Like <laughs> they're they're fun, and we get to we like to play around with them every once in a while. Um, so yeah, this one's gonna be really dark, probably darker than our casual Friday. Uh, Which is our wholesale dark roast. Our wholesale offering. Um, 
And yeah, it's gonna have some nice molasses notes, dark chocolate. You know, you're gonna want to drink it at night, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so keep an eye out for that in October. Uh, and then we will be relaunching the Folly La La La. Yep. So some, and we're gonna try and model it after last year's. Um, some chocolatey notes, but something really fruity and yeah. fun, kind of like a like a fruit cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fruit cake, but not crappy. Yeah, <laughs> worst cake of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so that will be another holiday release. Uh, so between, <laughs> so tasting room. Good Food Award coffee is going out this month. Keep an eye out for those. We're on Amazon. We've got the new subscription service. We've got the merch launch on International Coffee Day, which we'll also be doing a promotion be- behind oh, our, our new branded sampler pack, which just like kind of happened. And like I was like, okay, it's a thing now. And then Halloween, Christmas coffee. That is like, that's why this is the hype episode that I was like, we could talk about like... Uh, we need to have something where we like have this in one place where if somebody's like, what's up, what are you been up to? <laughs> Cause I'm like, so sick of just being like, Oh, you know, staying busy. Oh, with what? A couple, a couple yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. If Rob ever says that to you, he's lying about something. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing, which is like low key, a brand new business, but also like, I don't even know oh, yeah. if you can call it a side hustle at this point because it's like, but we are launching a Folly Coffee hot sauce. <laughs> this one doesn't go quite as long. <laughs> okay, I'll turn that. So this was, we filmed a couple episodes and we filmed a third that I need to edit, but Kevin and I, uh, Chef Kevin Coke, Kevin Kokenauer, uh, we did a YouTube episode on, uh, we're doing coffee and cooking. And so I challenged him to make a hot sauce made with actual brewed coffee. And it was going to be a fun episode. Cool. I get, you know, get some free hot sauce out of the deal. And then I tasted it and it was like, dude, this, it reminded me of when Brandon brought me cold brew that led to starting Filterra for the first time where I was like, I haven't tasted a hot sauce at the time. It was cold brew, but I was like, I haven't tasted cold brew like this. Then he brings me this. I'm like, I haven't tasted a hot sauce like this. And it's like, it's smoky because it has a smoky blend of peppers, but it's got habanero. So it's got a little bit of a kick, but like not enough where it kills the thing. And then the coffee is, it wasn't gimmicky. And that's what intrigued me is it kind of rounded out the flavor profile. Oh yeah. You can, you can have it on, so many different things you can eat it every day it's the the tagline i came up with for it that we're i'm gonna pump out everywhere is perfect on eggs great on everything else (laughs) yep (laughs) i mean i love it on pizza yeah oh man it's so good and you know something that i brought it up to a couple people that we sell coffee to and they're like yeah if you you make it i'll buy it and i was like oh and then comes the existential crisis am i taking on too much probably but the things I like about it is one is it's within our wheelhouse of what we're doing. It's selling to similar people, uh, and it's something that like we we both really enjoy because you're going to be involved in it as well. So it's going to be me, you, and Kevin. Uh, Kevin's an amazing chef, so having his experience in building flavor profiles and being able to do it well and be able to produce larger and larger batches with that same amazing flavor is going to be him. And 
Yeah, so that's going to be another thing that we're actually submitting to Good Food Awards uh, and the SCOVI Awards, which is like the Good Food good food Award version of Hot Sauce. And that's kind of like, I don't know what that'll be. And I kind of like that's what it is now and treating that differently and letting it, letting the hot sauce kind of guide what happens with it versus <laughs> Folly Coffee, which is like you have to go out and pound the ground to be able to get anything moved. And this one's going to be more like, let's let the growth happen and see what the feedback is and see what works and go from there. Yeah. At the very least, we brought a beautiful hot sauce into this world. And that's kind of the fun thing about this one is is uh, it's not like coffee or cold brew. Like if you're going to start a coffee roasting business or with Filtera starting the cold brew business, there's a lot up front that needs to go into it. Whereas with hot sauce, it's like you find a commercial kitchen that has the right things to be able to make it find suppliers, and then you can start making and bottling it after the full approval process. But thankfully, I've gone through that two or three times, uh, and I kind of know what goes into that, which we also have our inspection for the tasting room on Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully, uh, by the time... No, this episode will come out before our final inspection, but uh, Amy at the the, the city of St. Louis Park has been awesome to work with. they, they really helped us in building a plan of food safety that worked for what we're doing, which is like mobile coffee units. So it's not a cafe. And we're, we were able to do it in a way that it works as like almost an event space, which was a bit stressful when we were pitching the whole idea, but ended up working really, really well. And a big part of it was because it's literally only coffee. There's like, we had to explain like five different ways. Like there's no milk. Well, okay, but what are you going to do about sugar? There's no sugar. And it's like, I don't know what you're doing. I was like, neither do we, but hopefully it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just coffee and water. That's it. Coffee and water. It's, uh, yeah, fairly safe. And, uh, you know, obviously COVID continues to be an incredibly stressful situation. But ironically, the setup of a tour and tasting room is small groups of people in a very controlled environment versus a cafe, which is really unpredictable and a lot of different ingredients and things going on. So ironically, the setup we were already planning, we were able to put in a, a very effective, simple plan of hand sanitation, temperature scanning, uh, waivers at the door and keeping, and such a large facility we roast in now that distancing is way easier than if we were in another scenario. And so there's a lot of things that are stressful, but you kind of go, we got lucky on like a lot of things in this process. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we're going to hopefully keep falling forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a great way to end this episode and probably the unofficial folly coffee business <laughs> strategy is let's keep falling forward. All right, dude. Yeah. Enjoy your uh, technical day off here. And have a good day. 